0: live from the heartland and the crossroads of america it's tony Katz today i don't think it would be surprising to anybody that kids do not know how to adult and when i say kids i'm talking about generation z and millennials they have they have no idea how to do this and maybe that's why we see the elections that we do and maybe that's why we see some of the cultural happenings that we see they simply don't have the ability to have a mind which is really a terrible thing to say because i work with many millennials and many in gen z and they're they're solid people it isn't true across the board nothing's ever true Across the board, that doesn't mean that some things aren't true. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? This was a survey from CNBC and Generation Lab. I never heard of Generation Lab before. I have no idea who they are. 55% of young adults, and this was 18 to 34-year-olds, 1,039 of them, surveyed across the country from October 25th to October 30th. 55% of young adults... Find it much harder to purchase a home. Forty-four percent, it's harder to find a job. Fifty-five percent said it's harder to get promoted. Now, I don't know if that's true about promotions, nor am I sure that's true about jobs. But we can argue that when everyone was going through the what, what, what was it? There, everyone was quitting the Great, well, the not the Great Recession. It was the, we called it something. I can't remember what it was. Everybody was quitting. And everybody was going somewhere else, and they were job hopping, and that's over. If you talk about it being harder to purchase a home, interest rates are higher, and house prices are more expensive. We forget that things are more difficult, certainly than Gen X had it. Things are more difficult now. That much is true, but it's also true from a cultural standpoint, because you're told that everything is terrible your whole life, you're told that everything is miserable and everyone is awful and everyone's a bigot and everyone hates you and everyone is hateful. And, well, how in the world do you expect to actually do well when you don't attitudinally have have something to aspire to? 40% of Gen Zers and millennials said it's easier for them to find economic opportunities outside of traditional employment. Well, that's absolutely true. Why? Because there are so many opportunities outside of traditional employment. I mean, you've got OnlyFans. You think I'm kidding. I brought this up the other day. Tell people to go get a job. Why should they? Why can't they just have an OnlyFans page? Why can't they just make uh, videos on YouTube? Why can't they just have a channel on Twitch? For what reason do they need a 9-to-5 job? The problem there is that that often for the vast majority of content creators doesn't create income. So they never really get to a plan B. They never work out a plan at all. And then you have this idea of staying in mom and dad's basement. Let us address the basement just for a moment. Historically, families live together. We have evidence uh, of this. Uh, historically, it would not have been crazy for your kid to come back home as they were getting another job or or figuring out what area of the country they were going to be in. These things are not criminally insane things. What is insane is the idea that the child, even in their early 20s, making determinations and figuring things out would rely on the parent's for their survival, that's certainly something to look into. If your kid was living at home because they were saving up to be able to move to name the the city and they were going to live at home for six months, but they were working, how many parents would actually care How many parents would think that that's somehow wrong? How many parents would actually say, yeah, I'm I'm happy to help. You got a plan. You're working it through. That's great. That is different than, oh, my kid's trying to find himself. Well, how long has that been going on? Two years, and they eat your food, and they live in your home, and they complain, and yet they don't get on with their life. These are different things, much different things. So the conversation about adulting should not be about whether or not they can afford a house. Affording a house is tougher these days. And shouldn't we look at the idea that if the economics were justified, plenty of people's uh, parents live with them, but it usually happens at an older age when they're 30s or 40s, right? The parents get older and, and, and they live with the kids, is it possible that with the economic situation and climate that that is somehow an advantageous moment, a better moment for everybody involved? I am not suggesting that you want your kid not to flourish and to flourish involves recognizing and this is the hardest thing I think parents have to, uh, in, in, in this generation, my generation to deal with. You're not their friend. You're their parent. You know how many times I've told my kids, I am not your friend, I'm your father? It's a much different job? A bajillion times. Because I am not their friend, I am their father. And it's a much different gig. So if my kid is working towards a goal, and the goal states, and to get to the goal If they were living in my house, but they were working towards their goal for a year, would that somehow be a lack of adulting? I don't see it that way. If they were living in my house and trying to find themselves, that's a problem and I would be at fault for allowing it. If my kid could not pay their rent because they just couldn't find a job that matched their skills, I would say to them, Go get a job while you're looking for the job and pay your rent. Because here, child, I'm happy to help you this month. I won't do it next month. Now, that might be considered harsh by some. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. You as a parent are helping out. That's a standard. I don't really have issues with parents helping out their kids. Uh, I I I would I only hope to be in the position to help out my kids, but sometimes that help isn't about a, a check. It's about looking at them and saying, "What are you doing? What do you d-? you have to go take care of yourself?" Yeah, it's going to be hard. The sacrifice is going to be over here and over there, but this is your sacrifice to make, not mine. You can cry. You can scream. You can yell. But I'm not the guy who has to make the sacrifice. I made my sacrifices. This is for you to do. You have to find your way and it's not easy. And now this goes back to a conversation of what are we teaching kids from the beginning? What are we teaching them about how hard things can be? We don't do enough of a job teaching how hard things can be. What we have done is left it to schools and left it to culture. And they will tell kids the only reason it's hard is because of bigotry, because of hatred, because of racism, because of capitalism. You see what they do? Everything is to blame. And therefore, you don't have kids who get resilient. You get kids who become activists because they have to write this wrong and write that wrong and things would be easier if this wasn't there and that wasn't there and the other was there. People across America voted in elections, and they didn't look at crime in their big cities. They said, you got to have abortion rights, otherwise we're not even a country. You've got a murder rate in the cities of whether it's Louisville or or, or whether it's Indianapolis or whether it's Chicago or uh, through the roof. Oh, but abortion is why we have to vote. Why, why, Why would you have to vote on the subject of abortion? Well, because people's rights, and it's just living in Handmaid's Tale. No, 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 no. The women who live under the rule of Hamas, that's handmaid's tale. I'm just saying, if we're going to compare the things. But you see where their head's at. And in their head, they've been told that this is how you create something better. That the oppression... Remember, everything is oppressed oppressor with the Marxist. The oppression has to be alleviated in order for things to be better. But in order for people to feel like something, there always has to be something they have to struggle against, fight against. So therefore, everything is oppressive. This is where the concept of intersectional, intersectionality, intersectionality, come on, Tony, comes into play. If everything interconnects and intersects with everything else, everything is racist, everything is bigoted, everything is oppression, and everything must be fought. How in the world do you then overcome if you're too busy always fighting? There is a book. Oh, gosh, I can't remember the book. can't remember the book. My wife was reading it and and shared with me the line. It, it, It is brilliant. How do you overcome your trauma when it's the most interesting thing about you? That line has haunted me because within that, we see a part of this conversation come to life. When people suffer a traumatic event, we say, my gosh, that's traumatic. The people who are successful are the ones who get past the traumatic event and go on to their life. I didn't say they don't remember. I didn't say they don't deal with it. I didn't say they don't uh, have uh, good and bad memories uh, uh, about it or in terms of, my God, how horrible, but look where we came now. They, they, the, the people who are successful thrive in spite of it. But if your trauma is what makes you interesting, well, then you must live in it day after day after day, because that's who you are. You are the trauma. The trauma is not something that happened in your life. The trauma is your life. How does one then grow from that, build from that, expand from that? And the answer is uh, they don't. The answer is they don't. They can't. There's no possible way to do it. It can't be done. Why? Because the trauma is too important to their existence. The trauma must be front and center. Well, if you teach kids to embrace this, then you add on to that the oppressed oppressor, then you add on to that the activism to right the wrongs, how could anyone ever get to the adulting? Because adulting means overcoming. And you're not taught to overcome, you're taught to embrace and express, not to overcome and enjoy. There's never a conversation amongst the political left, amongst the Marxists, about enjoyment. About having a damn good time. Do you know why they hate and mock people who smoke cigars and eat red meat and drink bourbon? They hate seeing people have a good time. They don't want you to have a good time. You go to the movies, they don't want you to have a good time. They want you to see activist movies that move activist messages so you could say, that's right, and here's what else we have to do, and here's how we have to fight or be upset with the movie, and why wasn't this actor black, and why wasn't this actor a lesbian, and why wasn't this actor a man, and why wasn't this actor a woman, and why wasn't this actor... Everything has to be angry at all times because the anger showing that... Being outraged, it, 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 living your trauma daily is what makes you. And we do not teach our kids that what makes them is the overcoming. But we shouldn't confuse that necessity in parenting, which isn't happening enough and in 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 my view, although plenty of parents doing incredible work against all odds and 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 bravo. It's a worthy just to go over that one, I think. I don't think we should uh, get that confused and get that twisted with the idea of, yeah, it's harder to buy a home today. It is. The interest rates alone. Harder to find a job? I don't know. I guess that's an industry thing. I, I don't know if that's true. Because it might be harder to find a job, but as the the polling shows, and we would all agree this is true anecdotally, it's so much easier to find the side gig. It's so much easier to find the side hustle these days. Well, Tony, I'm not attractive enough in in a bikini to get that side hustle. A, there are other side hustles, but I get your point. It's harder to get promoted? I wouldn't know. I I don't know. I don't get promoted from radio host to uh, super awesome radio host. Oh, no, wait, I'm already super awesome radio host? Oh, I didn't know I got the promotion. Thank you very much. We shouldn't confuse our issues, but we should not lose sight of the fact that we have a tremendous amount of kids in society who have been culturally warped and don't understand what being an adult actually is. They don't see those responsibilities and the overcoming as the value. They don't. Uh, someone was was commenting to me that 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 part of of being an adult is containing the urges. Right. Part of being adult an adult is is a level of sacrifice. And and certainly I, when you're a parent, you you take some of that on and while at first that responsibility is is overwhelming there is there is something so joyful in it and it's why people should i i think promote the concept of the nuclear family it's not that you have to have uh children to be to be decent it's that the the, the nuclear family requires sacrifice but within that sacrifice within that responsibility within that moderation of, of of oneself you you do get a joy of these children that you're raising and this life that you're providing there is no doubt that people work harder than me physically harder than I work and I do six hours of radio a day and, and the videos and everything else but every day I wake up early like many people wake up early and there are days I just want to go back to bed but I I feel that responsibility and that responsibility, no matter how tired, feels good because I want to do that. I want to provide for these people. I want to provide for my wife. I want to provide for my kids. I want to be able to show them. I want them to see by the example so they can do it, just like my wife's example is an inspiration and how uh she runs her life and how she runs this house and how she has raised uh the these kids of ours and the work that she does cuz they the kids they don't always learn by what you tell them they they learn by what they see and the 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 being the example the example is so so incredibly incredibly important i, I and i and i revel in it My wife often discusses the fact that she didn't know she wanted to be a mom. She didn't know that this would give her this this outrageous purpose. And that when the opportunities came, maybe go back to work here, maybe do something there. No, I want to do this and I want to do this well and right. And we're like, well, we're willing to sacrifice the other things, no matter how hard it is to build the radio career and everything else. We'll sacrifice it because we think being home is better, worth it. If we don't teach our kids about sacrifice, if we don't teach our kids about responsibility, if we don't teach our kids about overcoming the trauma, and that's what creates the better life, well, then we don't create kids, we create activists. And culturally, that's what we've created. So certainly, there are things that are tougher for today's generation, it is true. It's gonna be tough for a while. But there are some things we can do something about and helping our kids get extracted from this bad culture, and teaching them solid culture, we can do that. I'm Tony Katz.
1: I love a year to go before the presidential election. I feel like it's, it's a very Democratic Party thing right now to have Joe Biden at the top of the ticket. Since we've had Joe Biden at the top of the ticket, they Democrats won the presidency, Um, They did fantastically well in 2022, far exceeding their expectations. Now in 2023, far exceeding expectations, winning the Kentucky governor's race, taking the Virginia legislature, taking a Pennsylvania Supreme Court seat. I mean, every basically everything they could have won, they won. Then why are Democrats still so worried? Exactly. That's exactly the way the Democratic Party is worried. To have poll numbers that make you feel bad, to spend all of your time panicking while you keep winning election after election after election after election. And it's almost the opposite side, the almost the opposite scene on the Republican side. With Donald Trump at the top of the ticket, they lost the White House, they lost the House, they lost the Senate, they had two impeachments, they've got 91 felony counts against the guy who's at the top of their ticket, and they feel absolutely as confident as they've ever felt about their chances. So I think it's more about the mindset of the two parties. Even when Democrats are doing great under Joe Biden, all they want to do is panic.
0: I know it's Rachel Maddow, but I think that's actually an accurate assessment. But why are they panicking? Because they know Joe Biden is remarkably beatable. Because abortion can't save him. Abortion alone can't save him. That's what they're saying. They're saying in a state race it can work on the national side. They're not so sure. So why get this old doddering fool in such a pickle? Get him out. Get somebody else in and we win for sure. That's the argument that the Democrats are making Very much in the public. You heard David Axelrod say it the other day. This is where they're at. But Maddow's assessment there isn't bad, man. No, I would say it's pretty solid. Pretty solid. Republicans have a lot to think about. We'll get into it with Ed Morrissey coming up. This is Tony Katz today. You can call it a shellacking, because why not call it a shellacking? Why why shouldn't we be honest with each other about what just happened in Virginia and Kentucky? You lose to Andy Bashir for a second term in Kentucky. You've got a black Republican. You lose to Andy Bashir. Tony, why in the world are you talking about race? I don't know. Everybody else does. I just thought it was the thing to do. Cool kids did that. You've got Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. You have you 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 defeated like like all the expectations he's been doing by every uh, measure a solid job people are thinking about him as somebody who might be a future candidate just in case none of these other republican candidates can figure out their you know what from their you know what and he loses the house of delegates he keeps losing uh the the senate democrats now firm control what the bloody heck happened here what exactly happened and what do we take from it? When do people learn? And when does Rona McDaniel get fired? I mean, that's just a personal thing from me. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today, good to be with you. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. Ed Morrissey joins me right now from HotAir.com. He is the Capo, the Judy Capo. Over at hotair.com, he's the author of the book Going Red, which talks about how one wins elections. And you had really, in in your book, uh, had broken it down to the idea of specific counties and and how things work on that granular level. This is from hotair.com. This was a piece from Jazz Shaw. What went wrong in Virginia? One word. In all of your writings in the book Going Red, how many times did you say, well, clearly all elections come down to abortion because that seems to be the case in Virginia?
2: Uh, never actually. It, it usually doesn't come down to one issue. It comes down to a range of issues, Tony, and, uh, and, and your ability to communicate on it. But I do think that jazz is right, at least partly right about this because Republicans still aren't communicating well when it comes to abortion. They're not talking specifics. They're not talking to people on the ground, they're not addressing the uh, the the fears that they have in terms of abortion restrictions. And you know, Glenn Youngkin, I think, was actually trying to do a pretty good job on this prior to the elections. You know, Selena Zita wrote about this as well. You know, emphasizing that nothing's been banned in um, in Virginia. It's just that abortion is restricted to 15 weeks, or at least that's the bill that he once put forward. Uh, and that is a position that most Americans would agree with. If you look at all the polling on abortion, uh, it, there is a there's a vast middle ground here that neither party really addresses. And That middle ground is the fact that uh, most Americans want basically what you'd say is a European uh, style regulatory regime on abortion, which is, you know, first trimester only except for, you know, really unusual cases where the mother's life is in danger, but otherwise, you know, fairly hands off until the 13th, 14th or 15th week. And that's what Youngkin was proposing. But I think that there's, um, I think that Democrats have an advantage on this because there is so much crosstalk among Republicans about what it is that exactly that they want. Youngkin is uh, on one end of this, And there are absolutists on the other end of this that are getting a lot of coverage in the media for various reasons. And so there there is this sort of fear factor that I think Democrats very effectively exploit when it comes to abortion. But that's not really the only thing that's going on in this election or in the previous elections either. So I I think that It it is
0: clear that when the overturn of Roe v. Wade took place, talking to Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com, I was in favor of this because I thought it was poorly uh, reasoned law. The the idea that this right to privacy uh, somehow exists, this overreach that even the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed with, this was poorly done, poorly managed, and became religion. Well, when the overturn came because of the Dobbs decision, the religion didn't disappear. It was the idea that their religion could be pierced. It could the the, the shields could be could be cracked. And so to make it the singular focus, which I didn't expect to be so strong uh in, in earlier elections, I did expect it in this election because you should learn from, from your mistakes. Um, this is their subject, this is their rallying cry does even a level of 15 week ban as you're discussing with with Virginia does that even make a difference now have democrats convinced women in in America don't worry about your kid's safety in any downtown don't worry about what happens at your kid's school just vote for us otherwise somehow you at the age of 50 won't be
2: able to have an abortion well again I mean, this is an emotional issue more than it's a rational issue, right? And and what you're pointing out is the is the rational context around this, which is that, in truth, abortion really isn't going to affect that many people, especially an abortion restriction at 15 weeks. Maybe an abortion ban might be more impactful, but an abortion restriction at 15 weeks is really not going to impact that many people. Um, it is, however, I think a marker for... Painting Republicans as radicals. And I think that that's been very effective for Democrats. It's been very effective for Democrats really since 2018. We haven't, the Republicans really haven't won an election cycle since 2016. 2016 was the last national election cycle that they won. They won in states. Uh, You know, Glenn Youngkin, for instance, won in 2021 on the Uh, on the groundswell of uh, a revolution among parents who were being told that they didn't have any say in how their kids were being educated. Um, And Youngkin was able to win on that. But national elections, Republicans have lost every national election since 2016. And in large part, it's because Democrats have been able to paint them as radicals and dangerous. And the, the January 6th riot is something that I think Republicans seriously underestimate in terms of its impact on the broader electorate. They want to write it off as well. It was just a riot, you know. You can compare it to George Floyd riots around the country, and believe me, you know, having been living in the Twin Cities when the George Floyd riots were going on, I understand the intellectual argument there, but the emotional argument is something different. This was un- it was unprecedented to happen at the Capitol, and voters, I think. Really look at that and the and and the branding around that, the MAGA branding around that as something dangerous. And I don't think Republicans have really come to grips with that. And this is something I'm writing about today. I'll have a you know a a long post-up about this. They haven't really come to grips with that. And what the abortion issue is, is sort of a it's a signifier, right? It is a way of saying these guys are radicals. Not really about the abortion issue itself it's you know certainly it's about the abortion issue itself i'm not going to say it's not uh, uh, but it's not entirely about that but if if we're going to a conversation ed uh, about radical talking to ed morrissey of uh,
0: hotair.com take a look at ohio and this issue number one which if i'm reading it correctly not only codifies abortion as legal in the state of ohio It goes so far as to say is the taxpayer, because it says no burden can be placed on somebody wanting to get uh, to engage their reproductive rights. It makes one believe that the taxpayer of Ohio has to pay for the abortions and possibly gender reassignments in children
2: where parents aren't notified. Um, Who's the radical here? Well, hey, look again, I'm we're we're talking about the rational argument on uh, on issue one. Right. Look how. Look how wide the margin was on that too. This is a red state. And this is in a, in a time when the Democrats are supposedly in disarray when they're the president in the White House a Democrat is has got like yeah, you know, he's in the 30s on job approval, supposedly the, the party is splitting and in poll after poll, it shows him trailing Donald Trump in, in 2024. And yet all of those Democrats came home. Why? Because they see the alternative, and not just that you know, can't just be Democrats in Ohio. Some some in, the independents went to the Democrats, and, and maybe even some uh, you know uh, liberal Republicans did as well. Because they see the, the Republican brand and and the conservative brand as being radical and dangerous. Yeah, you know, Ohio one was is radical, but I think you know, the the rhetoric about Republicans being dangerous is really working for Democrats. And those voters came home last night and they're going to come home in 2024 unless Republicans deal with this brand issue. So so how
0: do you view that? Because there there is, over the course of the last 24 hours, two conversations. One, uh, this abortion conversation, look, Americans want some level of legal uh, abortion and the pro-life side has to accept the fact they're going to have to win this thing culturally and they're not going to be able to win it legislatively because it's a legislative uh, loser as opposed to protecting children, which I still argue is a legislative winner regardless of Ohio's issue. Number one, which makes me wonder a who actually read the legislation and b, exactly how many lawsuits are we about to see? I think that answer is in multitudes. Uh, but is this about abortion or is this uh, somehow about Trump? You take a look at Daniel Cameron losing the governor's race to Andy Bashir in Kentucky. That's a race where Trump endorsed him. And he talked about that endorsement uh, greatly. You talk about losing these national uh, elections. Is this abortion talk or is this Trump talk as the political right sees it? Yes. <laughs> wow.
2: There you go. How's that for an answer? That's uh, an answer, son. But, but, but I mean, Kentucky, you're right to point out Kentucky because abortion wasn't an issue in Kentucky, or at least it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a top line issue in Kentucky. They weren't, they weren't debating it. They, however, Bashir was able to paint Daniel Cameron as a full-blown ultra MAGA. Um, and that's in a red state. Now, Bashir barely won against Matt Bevan, who really was, you know, sort of an ultra MAGA kind of guy. Um, he won by four tenths of a percentage point four years ago in 2019. Um, and that was when Democrats actually had a better political environment, or, you know, at least, you know, on paper had a better political environment than they do in 2023. You know, with again, with, with all the unrest happening on campuses and the split between the progressive left and moderate Democrats on Israel and, and Joe Biden's abysmal approval numbers, um, Bashir still won by five points, five full points, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> That's a pretty impressive win in a red state for a Democrat, even with Bashir's uh, family connections. Bashir, of course, is the son of Steve Bashir, who was a popular Kentucky governor, and Andy Bashir was governing as a moderate Democrat, so that certainly helped them. His first four years certainly helped them. But I mean, this is this should have been a great environment for Republicans to run on. So, how does and- some figure into it in your view? I, I, again, I think it has to do with the branding of the Republican Party. Um, with Trump as its obvious popular leader, right? If you're looking at the polls um, and the MAGA faction uh, driving the, the policy agenda. And I'll tell you something, I think that that was really reinforced by what happened in the House over the last month, right? When they deposed Kevin McCarthy in order to get, you know, eight, you know, MAGA members, if you want to call them that, Um deposed Kevin McCarthy in an unprecedented way to try to force the agenda, their agenda on top of, you know, the 200 plus Republicans that voted to keep McCarthy in place. And I think that that certainly uh, lends credibility to the argument that the MAGA faction is uh, is radical and despotic and wants to impose its agenda on Americans, regardless of See, what Americans but, think.
0: But, you know, and, and I know
2: you're shaking your head, but- I'm telling you, as conservatives, we look at that and we can see the nuances of it. But, you know, right. You don't win, this point, don't mean, among Republicans. You're saying MAGA, that's what you mean. You mean
0: Republicans. That's how the Republicans have been painted and Toto oh, yes. right there. So it, let's argue that that is the case. There must be now a way to fix that. And I certainly have my theories, but I want to
2: hear yours, Ed Morrissey. Well, I mean, I think, it, I mean, I think it, if you're going to fix it, and and it's a complicated thing to say, but I think that you have to cut Donald Trump loose. Uh, you know, look at Ron DeSantis in Florida. Now, that was not a good, I mean, that was a very disappointing cycle in 2022. Ron DeSantis basically ran on what you could call a MAGA agenda, and he won Florida by 19 points, right? You could look at Nikki Haley, who probably would be a lot more popular and a lot easier to take <laughs> as a candidate for the vast electorate of America than Donald Trump and, you know, the, it, it, as the representative of the the mob that stormed Capitol Hill on January 6th, right? That's And that's the image that that faction has. And if the Republican Party wants to fix its branding, it's going to have to separate itself from, from that image somehow. And I don't know that it can be done. I don't even know if it can be done in this cycle, but I think it's become clear because these losses started before Dobbs, <laughs> That that's a major part of the problem is that Republicans have gotten themselves into a position where they can be easily painted as radicals and authoritarians. Um, where Democrats who we think is are the real authoritarians, escape. I have a democratic
0: party that doesn't support Israel. I have a democratic party that is filled with Jew haters. I have a democratic party that is upset that you censured a member for believing in
2: genocide uh, of Jews and for you declaring, hate, for declaring support for genocide of Jews.
0: And That's you have, happening. and you have, uh, People's totally concerned about Joe Biden's poll numbers, very concerned, and they want him off the ticket. And I think that's obviously because they think that this abortion conversation and this MAGA painting cannot overcome his other deficiencies. And I think that is very interesting, but that's a story. For another day, Ed Morrissey is his name. Find his work over at hotair.com, the book going red. Find it at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold, edmorrisseyhotair.com. I appreciate you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. I have been hit with every troll there is. Ha ha, you lost. Ha ha, no one listens to you. Ha ha, you don't know anything. Ha ha, you're just just a fool. You think these people are going to get me to not engage in an honest conversation about a better society? You're out of your mind. But we have to understand exactly where we are within the society. And we have to understand the levels of depravity, We have to understand the honest place where people are coming from. And we have to understand certain things about ourselves. And yes, uh, Republicans have to understand certain things about their own party. This conversation about Donald Trump not being able to win is legit. Where America is on this, for right or for wrong. And people have to ask, do you want to win or not? And get yourself there through the means necessary. I have not seen where they have shown in these elections a love for progressive policies, a love for abortion rights. Well, they've shown that, I think. A hatred for Trump, I think they've shown that too. That is not a love for all things political left. We've seen parents fighting for their kids. We've seen pushback against uh, the wokeness in, in terms of uh, sports and, and men and women, et cetera. We have these places of victory that needs to be built upon. It just has to be built upon well. Our decisions are going to have to be made. I'm going to have a less hard time with those decisions. But we'll talk about them. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone.
2: Take care.